0: The Evolve Pod is brought to you by TriswimCoaching.com Welcome back everybody to The Evolve Pod. The first episode of this year I'm bringing you Dan Keeley. Dan and I connected just a couple of weeks ago over a challenge that's upcoming And pretty quickly, I wanted to get down onto the podcast because his story is really intriguing. It's really exciting. It's really amazing. And it's really inspiring. It's about running, but is it just about running? I think it's about a hell of a lot more than running. It's about taking an opportunity. It's about the release of a burden and inspiring other people that it's okay to talk and that we should talk and that we should make the most of the opportunities that are put in front of us. So why don't you grab a coffee, take a listen, learn and grow. Dan, welcome to the pod. Thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, Ali, Yeah, so good to be here. Thanks. Like you said, it's a really fresh day. I'm I'm down here in Kent, managed to get on the trails this morning, had a lovely oat milk coffee uh, as well. So uh, yeah, good to go to dive into all of this. And uh, as you say, you know, we only connected recently, but, um, you know, instantly connected. And yeah, I knew it was definitely worth uh, jumping on a conversation together. So yeah, really good to be
0: here. 100%. So the the reason why we've connected is something that will come out in a podcast in due course. It basically uh, involves running... A hell of a long way, somewhere really hot, and that's all I'm allowed to say about it right now. So we will be bringing you some more information on that in due course. But today is definitely all about Dan, Dan's story, and 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 his ability to help inspire anybody who, whether you're suffering or not. Let's go to uh, 2012, and Dan was in the middle of a full-blown manic episode uh, in the middle of a motorway in Italy, <laughs> proclaiming to be the one, the chosen one. To solve all of our problems all our global worldly pro- problems you know and when you listen to that you kind of there's a certain element of it could be quite funny there's a certain element of what does that even do? and we're going to go through this but Dan I just want you just a couple of minutes just telling us a little bit about that scenario and then we're going to work backwards to, to you know start to the beginning to, to, to this point because it is a crux point in your in your life
1: yeah it really was. I think 2012 you know uh, really marked the start of this five year quite defining chapter in my life and uh, and as you say you know you're absolutely right. I ended up in the middle of a motorway in northern Italy near Lake Garda preaching believing I was the chosen one and you know thinking as though or believing as though so, um, that I had the answer to ease all of the world's suffering. Um you know, for those that don't know me and you hear that for the first time, you think, who the hell is this guy? And what is he on? Um, but the truth is, or the full story is, is that um I was sexually abused as a child. Um, I didn't realize this until the age of 21. So my body was holding on to a lot of inner trauma for many, many years. And it manifested in such a way where I had this full-scale psychotic episode, and we can talk about the events leading up to being on that motorway but it soon led to being hospitalized in a psychiatric ward and getting the diagnosis of bipolar disorder um, which I continue to live with which uh, you know we can dive into but yeah certainly this wasn't just uh, something that was you know induced from artificial drugs or anything like that it was very much uh, a a natural uh, manifestation of this trauma that my body was holding onto for many many years Um, so 2012 yeah you know we we can talk about my upbringing um, shortly but you know, I remember that year where, you know, I started at this incredible uh, charity as a partnerships manager. I felt like the stars aligned in terms of, um, you know, all of my passions coming together with, you know, the passion for social impacts and trying to make the world a better place in one way or another. I was always passionate about sports um, and the power of sport and communities to bring people together um, and creativity as well. So I got for of this amazing job to use my creative juices to build this, you know, amazing partnership around this charity that was having a social impact. Um, and I just couldn't believe my luck. And I kind of felt like this huge weight got lifted off my shoulders after, you know, many years of trying to find an occupation where I could channel all those three things together. Um, and, you know, it was five years prior to this where, you know, as I say, I remembered what had happened to me um, as a kid. Um, and it was just like, you know, a Formula One driver getting his foot stuck on the accelerator and ignoring the world around him. And over the course of those six months from January up until June, 2012, I just started going faster and faster and faster from you know trying to come up with these game-changing ideas to support these young people that we were supporting at the charity um i I couldn't get to sleep i was averaging just two hours sleep a nights for weeks upon end uh my wife georgie would wake up in the morning and she wouldn't be able to see the floor in the lounge because there'd be streams of paper everywhere with all these creative ideas about these new fundraising events and these concepts and these game-changing ideas that were going to change the lives of these young people and get them out to the mountains and um all of this stuff and you know i started basically believing you know if i've got got the this, you know natural energy and capacity to help these young people then why wouldn't i try and apply that to society uh you know as a whole and then if i was gonna you know look at the uk why wouldn't i try and change the world and you know you can see pretty quickly that if anybody pushes their mind to the limit for six months you know this is completely untapped unrestrained euphoria and, and i was just riding this wave um and uh, it, w- it wasn't going to end well and you know there's no formula one driver on the planet who can keep going at 200 miles an hour for six months trying to hit av- every apex you know not changing their fuel not changing their tires not listening to anybody around them and uh yeah as i say it, it really didn't end well
0: yeah i mean well there's a, there's a lot to take from that did you you mentioned about the abuse you, you went through as a child and and and, and not uh remembering it until the age of 21 but what's what was the sort of um you know growing up as a child what was what was life like if if you're able to talk about it
1: yeah of course well you know I had a, I had a great upbringing you know I grew up in East Sussex I've gone you know amazing older brother and sister my mum is incredible um you know and we just had a great Fun, active uh, upbringing, you know, I was always really sporty from quite a young age, you know, my my path was either going to go down one of two routes, it was either going to be sport or creativity. And I'm now fortunately able to say that those things come together beautifully. (laughs) Um, But yeah, over the years, you know, whether it was football or or tennis, or just chucking a frisbee around on my mountain bikes with my mates, and you know, I was always just outdoors with my mates, a lot of the time. Growing up, and you know lucky enough to go on the odds uh, holiday and uh, a ski trip at school, which um you know cemented my passion for the mountains um you know from quite a young age as well so yeah I mean looking back you know it was, it was an absolutely brilliant childhood i 've got no you know kind of wish for anything better to be honest I've, you know lucky to have the family and the friends that I did over the years and um yeah, just you know bounced around sort of you know different options with what I was going to study, but ended up uh, you know doing a three year degree at the University of Brighton which is great because it was a sports campus. And, you know, again, you know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, just a great sense of community, um, over those three years, um, played for the South England lacrosse team for a couple of years at Brighton as well, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, all pretty positive, uh, over the years, no complaints at all, but, um, it was actually the, you know, my first year of university, Ali, where, um, you know, if we're trying to spot any warning signs in hindsight with any, uh, underlying mental health, conditions, I I think really it was 2005 during my first year of university where I just gave it everything when I started, um, my degree, which is, you know, it's a sports management degree, but I just gave it absolutely everything. And by Christmas I was completely burnt out. Um, and it was just before the Christmas break where I had this light bulb moment that, you know, um, I'd been sexually abused when I was, when I was a kid. And it was almost as though, you know, my body was depleting itself of all its reserves to create this kind of capacity to um let me remember what happened to me this whole thing about the body remembers is fascinating to me um that you know i had to be in a strong enough place mentally to remember what happened to me when i was a kid um yeah (laughs) that's
0: really interesting you know it's almost like the body sort of saying yeah like you say you need to be in a strong enough position to be able to take that to then move forward um and what did the next few years look like you know realizing that that was a truth that you'd been carrying I mean yeah I can't imagine what that that process must have felt like
1: yeah I mean you know I, you know I, I remember the moment really vividly when when I remember you know I was playing tennis with my friends uh, Aaron you know just before the Christmas break and you know I was you know I can almost remember the scoreline you know I had this light bulb moment and I could really visualize what just happened to me and you know I remember you know, just going home that day and thinking, okay, I've got a choice to make. You know, I know who did this to me. Um, and, you know, what path do I want to take? Do I want to be resentful or do I want to f- forgive him? Um, recognizing that we all have weaknesses in life and some people can't necessarily control their urges. Um, you know, putting it quite crudely. And um that's effectively what happens. I don't think any of us are inherently bad people. Um, so it took me about two weeks to get closure mentally on uh, you know, or on that side of things. And, and to be honest, you know, I had so many other positive things going on, you know, I'd started this brand new degree, um, you know, loads of new mates that I was making at university. Uh, my relationship with Georgie was blossoming, all this stuff. And, um, yeah, you know, there, there, were, there were far too many other positive things that I wanted to channel my, uh, time, energy and attention into. Um, so that was kind of the start of this, you know, next chapter, I guess, but, um, yeah, the next few years were fine, you know, but I think, you know, certainly looking back, uh, you know, I think I, I finished uni in two thousand and eight. Uh, the manic episode happens in two thousand and twelve. So I think over those sort of graduate years, there were definitely signs where, you know, things weren't quite right. Um, and, and it was just it was just a case of either burning out and. Wanting to go into a cave for two weeks at a time and just shut the curtains and not see anybody, or just have this heightened energy where seemingly I could just keep going and going and going. Um, but you know, over the years that had boded quite well. You know, my my I was working in sports development, uh, development at the time, the sports events, and you know you can tap into this creative energy. Um, but of course, you know, well, what happened in 2012 was a completely different level. That was completely unrestrained, um, triple filtered mania. You know, this was on a completely different level where you know it's like every. Seven was heightened um you know beyond belief and you know it sounds like a positive thing but it's it's not it's you know it's like uh, you know being addicted to 40 cans of Red Bull a day you know by yeah. comparison and you, yeah. you just can't you cannot operate like that um so uh, yeah you know quite an interesting couple of years I'd say leading up to up to 2012.
0: One of the things that I want to talk about sort of as we go through the podcast is your um the, the your value on your sort of personal network and in particularly Georgie your wife um sounds like she's she's kind of been your rock by your side you know from sort of uh the age of sort of 21 onwards really and this what you talk about the next phase of where we're at, at the moment of your life and and how important that is i mean when you know what those are p- those people who are in the, the sort of the mental health and uh sort of space at the moment we're always talking about talking and getting help when we need it looking back now when you were going through that kind of um, realization of what happened to you as a child, did you get the sort of professional help that you, you needed at the time as well, or did you try and deal with it sort of solo?
1: Yeah, no, I really didn't, you know, I didn't get any, you know, professional um, support of my mental health until after this happened. Mm. Um, you know, and I, you know, it's really hard, you know, when I, when I look back now, you know, the words, even, even mental health, you know, I'm 36 now, and even the mental health conversation wasn't where it was now. And, you know, I, 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 you know, always think back to that time and, you know, there was no, you know, diagnosis of any conditions in our, uh, in our family, there was never any history of any mental health conditions. Um, you know, we could, we, you know, we didn't even know what bipolar was until this all happened in 2012. So yeah, there was definitely that element of, um, uh, brushing it under the carpet or, or just, or just trying to crack on and, and doing our best, you know, but I think, um, Yeah, I think, you know, if if you were to speak to a couple of my friends or family members, you know, before that motorway incident in 2012, I think there's a little bit of regret there that they didn't kind of act on some of the warning signs or concerns that they were seeing because, you know, I was still Dan, but it was like this heightened sort of caricature version of myself where everything was, um, you know, heightened on a different level. And, you know, I think it was the Euros that were taking place that summer. And I just got so obsessed about the Euro championships and this kind of energy was just really, really heightened and all of this stuff. And I think, uh, yeah, you know, hindsight's um, a a beautiful thing, but... Yeah. You know, the timeline was, you know, I literally went straight from that, that motorway incident and you're right. Georgie was right there with me by my side and um, you know, she arranged for our family to fly out to be with us to give her some extra support. But I was just fast track to the psychiatric wards for two and a half weeks out in Italy, escorted back to the UK, another two and a half weeks in the Maudsley in South London um, and then discharged with the diagnosis of bipolar. And it was really, you know, the, the next six months, the back end of 2012 was you know, easily my darkest chapter. That I've ever experienced and it was during that time where I was lucky that I had you know I was critical um so I you know I had counselling literally from the day um that came out the the psychiatric awards back then um which you know I'm just so so grateful that mm. we lived to where we did and I was able to have have that professional support
0: just that's amazing and the, you know the the value of you know, professional support or support from anybody you know close to you that you 100 percent rely on and trust is is invaluable and i think if you going just going back to the six months prior to to the motorway if you you mentioned about your family and poten- potentially they might there may be a bit of regret about not stepping in you know given what you've talked about how you were in that six months of living at a million miles an hour two hours you know sleep a night not fueling yourself effectively and just so kind of running with your sort of energy and passion what do you think how do you think you would have reacted if they had have tried to step in
1: Yeah, it's really hard. And, you know, there's a really good analogy um, that I use a lot when talking about bipolar or anybody who's in that sort of heightened state of, even if it's, um, you know, hypomania or mild psychosis, Um, you know, the analogy I always think about, you know, I just heard this years ago, which I love is, um, you know, they say that the best way to turn around the direction of a bolting horse is to jump on and ride it in the direction it's already going and then gradually steer it to where you want to go. So if a horse is bolting for a canyon, the last thing you want to do is to stand in front of it and go, no, 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 stop 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 um you know whereas if you actually you know say validate you know the occasional idea or just try to get to the root cause of what they're trying to achieve for me it was just trying to help people at the end of the day and you know my family did do a good job um you know in you know when i was in my full state of mania to validate a few of my better ideas um you know to try and help society as a whole and to say you know we're here to support you down but let's just you know let's just try and take a breath and uh you know try and do this sensibly but it's really it is really really hard um you know some of the visuals that i use now you know from giving a talk uh, around this whole journey um is airton center at monaco and you know there was a, a you know that iconic clip where he was you know sort of three laps ahead of everybody and you know he just he just refused to stop and slow down because he wanted not only to win the race but humiliate the field Um, and he was just so tunnel visioned and not listening to anybody around him. He had two laps to go and ended up in the barriers and, uh, and you know, he, he had to disappear for two weeks just to kind of recalibrate what he did. But, you know, it's a very, very hard thing to do. Um, but you know, love and support and, uh, you know, doing our best is all we can do when we, when we have our loved ones who are struggling and we can clearly see that they're not right. Um. Action nine times out of ten is much better than doing nothing. Um, and, you know, love and, and uh, doing everything from, you know, your love for that person, you know, is, you know, you can never criticize anybody for doing that. And even if, you know, that person doesn't recognize it in the short term, they will come to realize that everything you've done as a family or a friend, uh, co- you know, comes from a great place. And that's because we care about each other, ultimately.
0: Yeah, 100%. That's really nice. I really like that. I also like the bolting horse analogy yeah you know, definitely don't stand in its way
1: <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna get a kick in the face aren't you? yeah
0: no I really like that and it really kind of it nicely sort of uh shows or you get the kind of feeling of of where you were at in that point and where your support network was also at yeah. at that point as well and the I, I've done some obviously look, watched some of the, the your TED talk and some other things that you've been on um in the after sort of the direct aftermath of um you know being taken away and into the psychiatric ward you know you, you talk about dealing with emotions um and the huge difference between running at a million miles an hour thoughts flying everywhere to, to being sort of on a bed being weighed down by the guilt and shame of emotions and that's a really interesting thing um but i you know i'm interested in guilt and shame as emotions and what it kind of means to people can you can you kind of expand on that a little bit about where the guilt and the shame would have come from from having been in that scenario
1: yeah you know i'm i'm still almost a student of this um Ali, you know, even, you know, almost 10 years on, you know, I'm still a student of this whole conversation and and I love being part of it, but you you know, you're right. You know, it felt like a split second later from believing I was the chosen one, you know, basically my, you know, that point I was on the motorway is that I believe that if we all learn to slow down and listen to what, Our hearts are trying to tell us. Most of the time, it will lead to a sense of happiness. And so, you know, I had this conviction and this message that I wanted to get out to the world. And you know, being demonstrative, you know, I wanted to stop that traffic on the motorway. And I believed that this was it. You know, and I I genuinely believed that I was the one. You know, and you know, just think about those emotions and to get to that place mentally where you have one hundred percent conviction that that is the case, trusting every single. Syllable that leaves your lips, you know, and almost seeing the thousands shades of green in every single leaf because your senses are so heightened, you know, all of that, all of that kind of energy, and then what did feel like a split second later, as you say, it was curtains closed, disconnected, no energy, feeling as though the weight of the world was pushing me into my mattress on a daily basis. You know, trying to walk two metres every day to brush my teeth was incredibly difficult because there was no point. And, and this is just mental weight, but physically it felt as though I was being pushed into that mattress for, you know, for over six months. And it was so hard, um, you know, coupled with that was the medication aspect, because, you know, instantly, of course, when I was put in the psychiatric wards, I was, you know, strapped down to a bed and pumped full of drugs you know, for the better part of five weeks. And then obviously tried to figure out, you know, what longer term medication I could be on, which would take three years to get right. So during those first six months, you know, we were chucking everything into the fuel tank to see what would, you know, balance me out in some respects. So that was, you know, throwing my mood all over the place. Um, you know, but I just lost all hope. And, you know, I just lost all points. There just seems um, zero points. And, you know, when we think about the words shame and guilt and embarrassment, perhaps, um you know, I felt incredibly guilty, um, to my family and sort of this kind of devastation that I'd caused and this, um, you know, it's just a really debilitating chapter. And I just felt like such a burden on everybody around me. I just felt like such a weight. And I, you know, I remember, you know, one of the sort of, uh, real emotions that I felt during that time, Ali was, you know, I was the youngest in my family for, for many years. And then my younger cousin, Amy came along. Um, he's 21 years younger than me. And I remember it being that bed, And I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to see her or I don't want her to see me like this. Uh, and if that's the case, I don't want anybody to see me like this. And, you know, I just had this overwhelming sense of shame and, and guilt and, uh, and it is, it's, you know, it's still quite hard to put into words because, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like a straight down the line, embarrassed from believing I was the chosen one, you know, I can live with that. And, you know, it, it was, a, it was a reflection of this timeline of events, but, you know, I think certainly the, um, yeah, shame of being depressed and the guilt of having caused this disruption and this sense of being a burden on everyone around me was just, uh, you know hugely uh debilitating and you know as I say I'm just so lucky that I had the professional help support you know professional support that I did um and the patience and the love and the warmth and the care of not just my family but you know my, my closest mates at the time as well I leave it. it obviously goes into the, the power of having great people around you
0: 100 percent. did you ever feel any sense of loss of that part of you that was so driven and so On it and so um you know like when you talk about seeing a thousand shades of green in a leaf you know as a single bit of information that's quite exciting right (laughs) but did you did did you ever feel did you feel a sense of loss of that part of your persona or that part of you
1: yeah it's a really good question and never been never been asked that before but um you know i guess there was a sense of uh uh, disappointment that we weren't setting up. You know, I mean, it took it took quite some time for my mood to balance out. So even over the even after being discharged, which I, I thought I was, you know, discharged from the wards too early, um, you know, so over those six months really throughout the back end of twenty twelve, we were still figuring all the, all of this out, and I'd still have these moments of heightened mood every now and then, just because it would come out of the blue because of the medication then there was that sense of regret that we weren't in rome at the Colosseum, having you know setting up a new headquarters with my dream team around me to get this message out so to ease the suffering of so many people that do struggle out there so there were these kind of flittering moments that that you know that wasn't happening you know i had so much conviction that all of this this painting was going to be brought to life right and we were going to kind of reset the way we're living our lives in the 21st century um so there was a sense of loss i guess in that regard um but i think at the same time um i think at the same time i almost didn't have the energy to um think about any of that at the same time you know i mean my you know every waking hour was um putting it in its plainest sense either just trying to get through the day or um trying to push the thoughts aside of looking away uh, looking for a way to end it you know i did get to that point where i went to grab the car keys to take a drive to have a look at a particular bridge and um you know the last thing i don't want to do is, is trigger anything on this podcast but um you know i did get to that point where you know i was seriously looking for a way out and um you know i didn't have much mental capacity to think about anything else at the time but a really really interesting question and yeah i think whilst my gearbox was sort of Slowly fixing itself again, and um, yeah, there were definitely moments where you know <laughs> I'd be lying if I, I didn't regret not, uh, you know, have, having that impact that I believed in, you know, a few months earlier.
0: Yeah, it's, um, it's really, I find it really interesting how you know there's obviously that you know you're, you're very driven and you're very eloquent, and you're you can see you're very passionate about what you do, but it must be, I don't, you know, for you now, it must be on a level that's really under control and is a genuine you know, part of who you are, which is really nice to hear, rather than this sort of out of control, um, you know, out of control, sort of, you know, I go back to that two hours of sleep, two hours of sleep a night, yeah. it's, it's like, I can't I just, you know, I can't get my head around that, that's... um
1: yeah. Yeah. No. You know. You know. I, I like to think that that's the case, and you know, I think some of the projects I've managed to achieve, you know, since twenty twelve has been a man. You know, been a result of that strategy uh, and that mm. self awareness. Um, that that only came from having to strip it all back and start again, and and you know, and uh, asking myself about how I was living my life, and you know what, you know, how can we have a new strategy to move forward in life as I want to do so, which we can, which we can chat about, but you know, uh, what comes to mind when you say about that is, you know, throughout that recovery period, I met many people with bipolar, um, or or different personality disorders who who have been to, um, you know, quite Nirvana. And we'll do anything to get back there. And, you know, many of them are in and out of psychiatric wars. They don't have families. They don't have a steady job. They don't have that financial security. Um, you know, one guy would literally walk around with tweezers in his pockets, try and keep himself awake. He can have, you know, 30 espressos a day just to try and induce this sense of heightened energy to try and get back to this, you know, seemingly euphoric state of mind. Um, but of course it's so debilitating. You cannot operate like that. None of us can, you know, it's beyond what we're asking our, our human, bodies to uh you know to function with so um yeah you, you know again just just so lucky you know i think uh yeah certainly some of the conversations you know that started to work with the counseling you know throughout that you know those, those six months but certainly going into 2013 2013 sort of felt like a, okay it's a brand new year you know i've gone through this really defining 2012 so you know what are we going to talk about going forward and you know that those uh those big questions about you know that self-awareness and you know, really asking yourself the big questions in life um, really started to uh, hit the mark and, you know, it really started to work for me. And, of course, that led into being quite open uh, about my experiences. And then, of course, seeing the power of vulnerability and sharing my story and giving permission for other people to speak up about the challenges that so many of us, you know, so many of us face on a on a daily basis.
0: Uh, you know, on that note, it's amazing to hear, you know, you you, you sort of recognise that and that, you know, you're sharing your story is a... Is, uh... A vehicle for other people to share or to listen and to be okay with being open and to see the benefits of being open and we all go through stuff you know some more than others but being open and honest about it and asking yourself some tough questions sometimes is it's only going to make you stronger and as as we as we talk about you kind of reconnecting with your true self I want to link back into the sporting element and was sport something that really helped you through your recovery was it sort of like almost like a pillar of your you know reconnecting with a part of you that may perhaps have been forgotten
1: yeah i think it was and you know particularly um because obviously there was a loss of income over that time as well so you know everything up until this point i'd never really identified as a runner and and certainly not a trail runner you know um you know it was always you know like i said football and tennis as a kid um and lifestyle sports and at the university it was lacrosse you know skiing played its part as well qualified as a skiing instructor um but you know i think certainly when I did strip it all back and start again and discovered minimalism, you know, eradicating life's excess to focus on the important things, physical activity was a huge part of that. And the most accessible form of physical activity that resonated with me was to just literally grab a pair of trainers, pull up Google Maps, and, you know, look at the the green patches around where we were living at the time in East Dulwich in London and, and uh, head out there into nature and just use that power of being away from these four walls and away from any screens just to breathe and to look up And just to take those deep breaths and slow down, which I still get reminded to do (laughs) quite a lot these days, but just to take those big breaths, you know, and to look at the sky, you know, there's a big wide world out there. And I think, yeah, you know, it definitely um, played a huge part, huge part in, in my recovery for sure. And then, uh, you know, obviously just really gravitated and gravitated towards the trails in particular. Um, and then, you know, it wasn't long after that where. I suddenly thoughts that i want to do something quite sizable uh, <laughs> with 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 this journey of recovery
0: <laughs> let's get into that let's definitely get into that so let's talk about the the road to home this is the the journey of self-actualization of realization of recovery you know so many beautiful words that can be put towards this and I think the best way to talk about this is to actually sit and listen to Dan let's talk about yeah I want to hear you talk about the road to home what it means how it came about the the physical challenge the the ups and downs but, yeah let, let, let's get into that go for it
1: yeah I just you know I, I just um you know I think I think with the talking with the stripping it back starting again discovering minimalism uh, which for me has just been, you know, really intentional with my my time, energy, and and my um and my focus, and uh, you know, just really paying attention to the things which really mattered most to me. Speaking openly about my experiences, seeing the power of sharing my story, you know, throughout twenty thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, over the course of the next five years, I started, you know, really realizing that, you know. This is really helping people, you know, me just being very open about my experiences and trying to articulate that effectively this could happen to, to anybody, if anybody pushes their mind to the limit like this, you know, I was just witnessing the the effects of that. And and I remember being opposite the London Eye um, in 2015, going into 2016. And, uh, and literally these light bulb moments came up in my, into my head. I started thinking, you know, in the lead up to then, you know, what if I was to create a huge adventure challenge to share my story and incorporate running because of its simplicity incorporate Italy somehow to bring the story full circle opposite the London Eye and I just remember it was almost like these big neon lights just popped up in the sky Rome to home what if I was to run from the Colosseum in Rome back to the London Eye to share my story on a massive scale um, all in the hope of empowering other people to to speak up about their own personal struggles and it was one of those moments uh, Ali honestly just like jumping on this podcast by the way, where. You, 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 the, the idea is there and it's an instant. Yes. It, it almost feels like it was complete. The moment that you think about it, you know, it was an instant. Yes. It was an instant, hell yes, this is going to happen. And, and so I just committed to it, you know, going into 2017, I committed to returning to Italy, but this time, instead of, you know, standing on the middle of a motorway preaching, I was going to look after myself, do my homework, uh, get my mental health and physical health in the best shape possible. Um, and set out to run just me and my backpack from the Colosseum, Bats of the London Eye and um, it was beautiful it was a 65 day oil painting it was this beautiful um, manifestation of this five-year journey it was a beautiful reflection of the power of speaking up when we're suffering, and I was going to be the vehicle through which that message would get shared. It was a deep sense of connection to everybody who, you know, supported me uh, in in the five years leading up to that point. But everybody that I was connecting with through the charity campaign against living miserably that I was raising money for—they were hugely supportive—and I just felt at the kind of the epicenter of this huge message. Uh, and so then, when you know the adventure itself got underway, I felt so deeply connected to something so much bigger than just me um and it was only you know a couple of months before the adventure when i was figuring out the route that i was going to take that i discovered that the most efficient route from rome to the uk was the via Francigena. um so there is this pilgrimage route that links canterbury cathedral all the way down to the vatican so that was going to be my template more or less to follow so you know the warm-up would be (laughs) the Colosseum to the vatican and then pick up the trail um and then head up and veer off slightly towards paris cross the channel head up to head up to the london eye from there but um it was an oil painting Ali, honestly. And, you know, I can still taste and smell and visualize every single step that I took when I was out there. And, you know, we can talk about the adventure and, you know, the, the preparation and everything, but, um, it wasn't all smooth sailing at the same time. There was a moment on day 15 where, you know, I was just so grateful that I was out there. And of course this color and this taste and this energy was just kind of unfolding in front of me. Um, and you know, my, my mood did start to get carried away a little bit and I was definitely hyper but again, back home, you know, I wake up to five messages from family and friends just saying, Dan, your mind is just way ahead of what you need to be doing. Um, just practice what you preach. Remember what really matters most with this whole adventure. And that is keeping it obsessively simple, putting one foot in front of the other you know, and proving to people with these challenges that you can do these things whilst sharing your story to empower others. And uh, at the same time, you know, a couple of mates came out to join me, I'm just so grateful for. And um, it led to the whole adventure being a glorious success thanks to the people that I've got around me. Um, It was beautiful. Yeah.
0: Goes back into that, you know, your support network again, doesn't it? You know, having those key people turn up when you need them, or well, not necessarily when you need them, but to make that adventure and that experience, just that, you know, make it already an incredible one that a little bit better. Uh, sounds amazing. And well, I could, you know, for the benefit of the people for everybody listening, you can see Dan's face almost kind of it changes to this sort of almost like a kind of l- lovely schoolboy happiness of <laughs> something that, you know, something amazing that, they, that he's managed to achieve. I want. I do want to talk about the kind of physical element of it. So, you know, in terms of mileage, distance, uh, mileage and, and time on your feet, you know, what was that in, in a sort of set of numbers if you can.
1: Yeah, of course. So, um, so it's 1,250 miles, uh, you know, point, point to point, uh, averaging 20 miles a day over 65 days. So that included, I think I had five rest days, um, I think my biggest day was 52 miles running into Paris. So I felt pretty much fit when I was you know, going, going up through France, having crossed the Alps, you know, Italy was just stunningly beautiful with the terrain. Um, the Alps in itself was just incredible. You say about being a big kid here, but I was listening to, you know, the Disney Pixar soundtrack going over the Alps as well. And then, uh, you know, I saved uh, I saved Queen uh, for the second half, just to have Freddie with me the whole time going up through France as well, which is pretty cool. But um, yeah, the biggest day was 52 miles going into Paris to driving style to, you know, have a couple of rest days and just take a breath at the top of the Eiffel tower. Um, yeah. So, you know, 12 months of preparation, 1,250 miles, 65 days, averaging 20 miles a day, um, five rest days, as I say, um, I think I had probably five different friends and family pop out at different times to come and just join me for a couple of days at a time. Even my uncle just drove down for literally 24 hours in his Mercedes and then headed off again leaving me on a very wet side of a motorway to complete 18 miles that day, which was quite <laughs> funny. Um, and it was, yeah, it was just really, really special. I think, uh, you know, just with my backpack, I was carrying anything from between 12 and 15 kilograms, depending on how much water I was carrying, but you know, I had a small bivy bag with me. Um, I think I wild camps, um, probably, you know, t- 10 nights when I was out there, but you know, one of the most beautiful things around it was the pilgrimage route, because I was meeting so many, um, so many people typically starting in the Alps and walking down to the Vatican, either to, you know, for religious reasons or just to escape whatever they had going on in their own lives. And, you know, they all wanted to talk to me. I had the Union Jack on my chest and I was running the opposite direction. So literally everybody wanted to stop and talk. And I met so many incredible people who um, I'm still in touch with, you know, from that whole journey. And I can't tell you the amount of ge- generosity that I experienced when I was out there as well. It was very much the people that that made this whole thing. Um, and there was definitely some you know highlight moments which came down to just the generosity of uh, you know the Italians and and uh, yeah a couple of really cool things that happened uh, along the way as well
0: that's amazing I mean running I talk about running a fair bit on this podcast you know various episodes with various different people and you, when we talk to people such as yourself there's there is this I, I do believe that running is this incredible for want of a better word religion I think when we talk about it as we are now, in terms of what it can bring, and you know the people that you meet and the experiences and the the uh, the way that it can bring almost bring fresh life into people who really need it, whether that's the runner or the people that are part of that experience, it's really mm-hmm. amazing. And I, I want to put to the, you the question: you know, exercise, but in particular running. You know, today, right now, what do you feel is the value of running for you? What's it brought you?
1: Yeah, I think um, I um, I mean the word escapism comes to mind, but is it escapism? There's there's a sense of um, there's a sense of purity for me that comes from trail running and endurance running in particular. Um, You know, and these days. Of course, I can't just take, you know, I've got a two-year-old who's beautiful, Maxwell, but, you know, I can't just take off and go off on another 65-day adventure so easily these days. And so, you know, it is all about the the local trails and the one-day ultra races, you know, but I think even last year, you know, there was a 100 kilometer race, um, you know, along the south coast. And, you know, I, I felt such a sense of purity and alignment when I was out there for those 12 hours, whatever it was that day um that i I don't find anywhere else i think you know yes if i can get out to the mountains and you can drop into that pure form of skiing where you're completely in that flow state completely away from the screens and you feel so connected to the mountains and something bigger than you and you're out there with loved ones there is nothing quite like that for sure um i can you know talk about skiing all day long but with trail running you know it's the closest thing that is so accessible to so many of us in our day-to-day lives here in the UK and you know trial running in its purest form is literally any you know you don't even have to wear anything on your feet if you don't really want to but you know it's just running in nature and you know, it's very hard, you know, in our fast paced, modern Western lifestyles to find that sense of purity. Uh, and for me, it's connection. It's a, it's a, it's a chance to slow down. And I think that's where the word escapism comes into it, is that, that chance to slow down, get away from the technology, get away from the distractions, the notifications, um, you know, that we're just bombarded by day in, day out. And it just realigns you with that sense of purity and escapism and just connects you to yourself. And, you know, you can't help, you know, especially on a on an ultra race, you can't help but pull up these underlying feelings about what you might have going on. And then of course it's that sense of pride when you get back. I don't know anybody who regrets going for a run, uh, unless of course something drastic happens, but, um, you know, <laughs> generally speaking, we never regret exercising and going for, um, going for a trail run and, uh, you know, there's a sense of pride and health and happiness and, uh, stillness that comes from, from all of that. And, um, you know, I, I think that's now probably my biggest passion area is diving even deeper into this whole subject area around, uh, you know, the benefits of, of being out in nature for, for running for sure, because you know, there's my lived experiences and I can talk about running time all day long and what I felt when I was out there for those 65 days. And now of course the, you know, the ultra stuff, um, here in the UK, but you know, that whole is fascinating. You know, everybody's got their stories and their, and their journeys, particularly with ultra running. I think a lot of people do have, uh, sort of this inner strength that comes from somewhere and I think you know like you said that sense of community as well it's brought you and I together and um you know it's just an incredible community uh to be a part of absolutely
0: amazing yeah that's awesome and you know I think well as this year progresses I think we're, we're going to see some more of that as well which is going to be really exciting yeah. and more like I said more of that to come now I can't say anything more on that yeah. so to so sort of um to start to, to kind of uh wrap up I think for for us, I think you know you're really you've really got a sense of self awareness now can you a couple of things for the benefit of the listener what does self awareness mean for you today
1: yeah i think um you know I, you know I think um you know it goes back to obviously that journey of recovery and i you know i had to I had to be honest with myself during that time. I got forced to be honest with myself back in really two thousand and thirteen when the you know the proper journey of recovery started. And I think self-awareness is just really recognising when those warning lights are going off. And, you know, I I do use the Formula One analogies a lot when I'm talking about bipolar. Uh, But it's the same for all of us. If we can all be very intentional with, um, you know, those five warning signs that might come up on our dash when things might not be quite right. And we can pay attention to that and recognise those warning signs before something catastrophic happens then we're all going to be better off for it. And for me, you know, it's sleep, it's nutrition, it's even my spending, you know, so I'm a minimalist. I try not to spend too much. I pretty much feel I've got everything I need. Um, but if I do feel my purse strings being slightly looser, then it's generally one of my three warning signs that, you know, something's not quite right. My, my, you know, pace of speech. Um, obviously we try and pack a lot into these podcast episodes, but I do slow down (laughs) honestly. Um, but you know, I've got my five warning lights that I try and pay attention to and You know, so I think self-awareness in its purest form is being very honest with yourself uh, and recognizing when those warning lights might be showing up on your dash, you know, and two really powerful things which I always share is certainly what happened with me. You know, minimalism has played a huge part in my life. So just being very intentional with my time, my energy and my attention, you know, so eradicating life's excess to focus on the things which really matter most, you know, our health, our relationships, our passions, our growth, being in service to other people and that sense of contribution and trying to light up those five light bulbs as much as possible um because we all feel happier for it and the other thing is you know an exercise which i had to do with the counseling which was to have a conversation with my future self i think so many of us over the past two years have had these moments where we feel quite insular and you know just very disconnected to everybody else out there and we can get so bogged down in this current state that we're in so you know a wonderful exercise is to sit down with you know quite your 100 year old self and you know in your current state and say Ali, look at the life that you've lived. You've absolutely smashed it. Look at the people that you surrounded yourself by. Uh, look at the adventures you've had. Look how you prioritise your health and well-being, and how you've inspired so many people with the Evolve Pods, uh, the values that you stay true to, your integrity. You smashed it, you know. And, and you know, having these sort of retrospective conversations with a future version of yourself can be such a great exercise, just to remind you that actually you, you're doing all right. You're doing pretty well. All of us right now on the back of the past two years are doing great you know if we're if, if you're listening to this and you are you have a roof over your head and even if you don't and you are waking up every day and you can find time to crack a smile and look up and breathe every now and then and practice a bit of gratitude for so much that we are lucky enough to have in our lives then you're doing great and you know so often these things can only come from Having a, a long term <laughs> reminder as to how well we're doing right now. So there's a few you know small exercises which I try and stay true to myself. Which Touchwood continues to work quite well. And uh, yeah, obviously just yeah fully committed to supporting anybody struggling out there and just being part of these conversations. This is what it's all about. And yeah, just absolutely loved uh, jumping on this pod with you, Ali.
0: Oh, Dan, that's beautiful. Really, really like that. I think it's so it's so hard sometimes to give yourself that pat on the back and to accept or not accept, to realize that, you know, you are doing all right, you know, and you're not, uh, you know, the worst possible person that you might think you are, you actually are doing all right and you are winning, you you know, whether that's getting up and out of bed in the morning, or whether that's doing a Rome to home style run, you know, whatever you're doing, we're we're all doing okay. And we've got to try and recognize that as often as possible. I definitely recognize that now in myself that behavior sometimes where everything gets a bit too much and it's hard to handle and then I can potentially go down the sort of the negative route in my mindset of I'm not handling it very well because of x y and z and that can, can be quite detrimental and actually this week I had an experience which you know I'm not going to go into it here but it's not the time or the place but I had an experience where I did suddenly realize actually I'm doing all right. (laughs) All those things. I thought that's a load of bollocks. I'm actually doing all right. You know, gave myself that high five in the mirror or gave myself that pat on the back just to show myself, actually, it's not that bad. You're doing all right. Pull your socks up, get on with it. Let's go. And I think it's so important that we kind of recognize our wins and and acknowledge when we're suffering. Um, And the way you put that there was just really beautiful. I want to sort of, oh, sorry, yeah. yeah, go for it. No,
1: I was, just, I was just going to say, Ali, you know, I think these conversations, um, you know, are hopefully beneficial for the listener, of course, and to all of you listening to this. But, you know, I've, I've listened to Batsy, some of your other episodes and I think you you know, I think you support your guests more than you realize, you know, and, you know, I always say that, you know, when I started sharing my story years ago, um, it was hugely beneficial for me. I felt much lighter as if, the, you know, we talk about that shame, but, you know, when I did find that courage to speak openly about what I'd been through, every time I did it almost kind of rewrote the story. It made sense of what I'd been through and this kind of shame got lighter and lighter and lighter, you know, and so there's huge power in that. And, you know, we know how hard it is to reach out for help sometimes, um, you know, but I've got a feeling that, you know, we're going to be in each other's worlds. <laughs> in uh you know one way or another, looking to the future, even though we only really connected um a couple of weeks ago um you know but that that's what this is all about you know it, you know in a, in one sense, running has brought this conversation together, but you know this is the power of Um, openly speaking up when we're having these uh, challenges and you know I'm still very much on the journey I'd be lying if I didn't say that you know in December I felt quite flat you know I've really had to work hard to pick myself up um, through the first fortnight of uh, 2022 Um, but here we are you know there's a bit of momentum building but again it just goes back to really being kind to ourselves and recognising that you know, ultimately, we're all in this uh, crazy mental adventure together.
0: <laughs> You've just actually reminded me of something I would I would like to put to you. I know we said we were wrapping up, but I I would like to put it to you while we're still on the record. When I did my Snowden challenge of, what was it, September 2020, I remember in December almost having this feeling. And this, this is one of my pitfalls of the last few years. I actually had this feeling that I've nailed it. I've got it everything's brilliant and sort of almost kind of sort of not even dwelling on that just thinking that everything from now on is just going to be plain sailing decent happy days Woo, you know all my troubles are behind me and then last year wasn't the best year for various different reasons of you know injuries et cetera, and things that you know I won't go into now maybe on another podcast but did you have any of that after the roam to home did you have any of that you know, almost kind of like um, yeah, almost like feeling that I've nailed it. Everything's going to be great from now on. Or, do you, or did you have that knowledge and experience base now where you kind of you, you succeed? And then it's kind of like, well, yeah, I have succeeded, but that life is ups and downs. It's a journey. There's There's going to be other curveballs coming at me.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a really, really great, great question. You know, I definitely learned a big lesson back in 2012, you know, I, you, you know, in 2012, I felt like i crossed this imaginary finish line. I put so much pressure on myself to find that occupation. And, you know, the result of crossing this imaginary finish line that didn't exist was full scale mania, ending up in psychiatric wards. Um, you know, so for me, I think Rome's home, uh, marked the start of a brand new chapter rather than you know yes it you know book ended that five-year journey but it was almost the start of a brand new chapter um but then second in the second part of this is that i don't think anybody's fully got it figured out in the long run and you know i I think uh you know i try and stick clear of anybody who does think that they've got all the answers, you know, and I, I, you know, I, I'm speaking from somebody who figured out that they did on that motorway, <laughs> believing that I had, you know, the answer that would uh, ease all the world's problems. But, uh, um, you know, I, I think it's a journey, you know, we're, we're always learning, we're always evolving. And, you know, I think that's why the hundred year olds conversation can, can be such a beautiful exercise just to remind us that actually it's the cumulative, um, you know, consistent, um, you know, uh yeah, it's it's the it's the accumulation of everything that we've done in our lives, which add up to the whole package. You know, yes, you get these highlight moments in your career, um, but uh, you know, it's the it's the it's the whole album at the end of the day.
0: Nice. I want to finish by reminding you of something that you mentioned in your TED talk, which is something that I'm definitely gonna take away with me because I really like it. It's the the phrase, don't let anyone else hold the pen when writing the story of your life. I think that is you know, it's a short sentence with a hell of a lot of meaning. And to finish on that note, I think is really strong. And I want to take the opportunity to really honestly thank you for your time, for your openness, for your honesty, for your inspiration. And yeah, I'm looking forward to, you know, connecting with you over the next weeks and months and years and getting some running in and uh, yeah, helping inspire more and more people to, to take that leap of honesty and openness to, to help everybody. So, yeah, Dan, thank you so much, mate. Really appreciate it. Where can people find out a little bit more about you and follow you?
1: Yeah, yeah I've absolutely, absolutely loved this. And, you know, the, fee- the feeling's mutual. But, um, yeah, just uh, punch my name on on, uh, on on Google, the social channels, and you'll find me. But typically it's at I am Dan IamDanKeeley. And, uh, yeah, of course, you know, more than happy to uh, connect with anybody who this resonates with. But, yeah, it's been a real... Real pleasure, Ali. Thanks so much. And uh, bring on everything that's to come this year.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think I better start training, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So everybody, thank you so much again for tuning in. Uh, What a great way to kick off the Evolve pod for 2022. As always, if you like the content, please don't hesitate to share it amongst your friends and family and colleagues, because I'm sure this content will help somebody out there that may be struggling and even inspire someone who's not. So please like share comment and let's share all the uh, all the brilliant content and uh, I'll be back in a couple of weeks time cheers everybody take care bye bye